Our gospel lesson will serve as the basis for our sermon today. It comes from Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. Today I'm going to tell you about a war, a real war that happened many, many years ago. There was a huge field, and on one side there was a very large army from a a nation called Philistia. They were the Philistine army. And then on the other side there was another very large army, from Israel, the Israelite army. And the Philistines had this soldier who was really big and really strong and really scary. You might have heard of him. His name was Goliath. He had a really big sword and a really big spear and really big armor to cover his really big, really strong body. And every day for 40 days, he went out on the battlefield and he said, I have a challenge for you, Israelites. Pick one. Pick your best fighter and send him out here to fight me one-on-one. If he wins, our whole army will lose and we will become your servants. But if I win, you all lose and you will become our servants. Two huge armies with lots of people who could fight, but they were going to just do one-on-one. And the winner would win for everyone and the loser would lose for everyone on his side. Would you like to be that one person who would go out and fight against Goliath? That'd be a lot of pressure on you, wouldn't it? If you lost, then everybody loses. That sounds kind of scary, right? Now, if you won, then everybody would win, and that would be kind of great because you'd be a hero. But what if you lost? Well, you might know the rest of how this war went. A shepherd boy named David went out to fight Goliath without any armor, with no sword, with no spear, with no shield. He just took a slingshot and some stones, but he didn't go alone. David went with the Lord God, the Lord of armies, the Lord Almighty on his side. David said, this tall giant who defies the true God, he won't win because we have God on our side. 
Remember what happens? He, he takes his slingshot and he throws the stone and it hits Goliath right in the forehead and he falls down and David wins. And because David wins, the whole Israelite army won. Today we're going to see a similar battle between two champions, Jesus and the devil. If the devil won, then we all lose. But if Jesus wins, then we all win. We're going to see Jesus go to battle with the devil. We're going to see him fight one-on-one. And you might think, oh, good, he's going to go use his super strong God power to defeat the devil. But that's not what you're going to see. Jesus is going to go out, appearing weak and helpless, and he's going to use one weapon, and one weapon alone, the words and promises of God. That's all he uses. He doesn't use his super strength. He doesn't use his superpower. He just uses the words and promises of God, which tell us the truth about who we are and which tell us the truth about who Jesus is, our Savior. And with that word of God, the sword of the Spirit, the Bible calls it, you're going to see Jesus defeat the devil and share the victory with you and me. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, there's no way that we could defeat our enemy, the devil. And so you came into this world to defeat him for us. And your victory has become ours. Help us to better appreciate the victory that you have won, which counts for ours. Help us to rely on your victory and on your victory alone as Satan attacks us. Teach us to fight as you fight, relying only on you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It's no surprise that many a pastor over the last five centuries or so have used that Old Testament account of David and Goliath to set up the text that we're about to focus on today. That's not something I came up with in the children's devotion. Martin Luther did that. C.F.W. Walther did that. Many old pastors for many hundreds of years have seen this direct connection between that famous story that's often told to children, David and Goliath, and the battle that we are focusing on today between Jesus and the devil. One of the things I appreciate about this illustration is it helps me better appreciate how glad I am that I'm not the one who's doing the fighting. This battle doesn't rely on my ability to wield the sword. If it did, if it was me versus the devil on my own, I'd be terrified. If it was you versus the devil on your own, you'd be terrified too because you know how it's gone over the course of your life. That first temptation that Satan uses against our Savior is one of preservation. He comes to Jesus at his physically weakest and as you can probably imagine, when we're physically weak, that's often when we're the emotionally weakest as well. Jesus hasn't eaten food for 40 days. 
He's as weak as weak can be. You can imagine that physical, emotional preservation, survival would be on his mind. And so in complete poverty, when Jesus has nothing, Satan comes to him and he says, so this is what it looks like to be a child of God, huh? This is how God treats his children? He leaves you to claw and struggle? And he does the same thing with you and me. He often starts with poverty and weakness. He checks to see how you will do when you are at your weakest, when you are at the poorest. When you don't have enough, so it seems. When you are clawing and scratching just to get by. And you're not sure where your next meal is going to come from or how you're going to keep a roof over your head. That's when the devil comes and he whispers in your ear, oh, so this is how God treats his children, huh? Huh. Maybe it's about time you take matters into your own hands. Maybe it's about time you stop relying on this God who clearly doesn't care about you and you start relying on your own strength. Then, he often moves on to direct attacks on the word of God. So, God says he will send his angels to protect you. Why not just trust that? Get out there. Enjoy life. Live life to the fullest. See what happens. God says that he will protect you. But as with any false teaching, especially the kind that appears to come from the word of God, Satan leaves out a really important part of the psalm that he quotes. For he will command his angels concerning you. Do you know what comes next? Satan doesn't quote it. To guard you in all your ways. Satan leaves that part out. He says, just jump. Everything will be okay. God promises to take care of you. Well, God promises to take care of those who walk according to his ways. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? God uses his angels to protect his people. But those who go their own way, those who decide what's right and wrong, those who decide that they're going to do what makes them happy and they're going to seek happiness and pleasure because, eh, God says he loves me. God so loved the world, right? So we're good. False teaching often starts by quoting what God says, but leaving out some really important stuff. Or taking one section of God's word and ripping it out of context to make it say what you want it to say. How have you done when Satan has attacked you with false teaching? When he's disguised the word of God and he says, see, God even says you can do whatever you want. Do you accept it? Do you believe it because it feels good? Or do you search the scriptures and take all of what God says into account? If Satan can't get you with poverty and if he can't get you with false doctrine, then he pulls out his last trick. 
Serve me and I'll give you what you really want. I'll give you the wealth that your heart craves. I'll give you the pleasure and the earthly stability that you really want. You just have to worship me instead of him. The false gods of wealth and pleasure and success, stability, anything that brings you earthly peace and earthly happiness aside from the hand of God. How have you stood up against that temptation? The reason it's terrifying to consider doing battle against Satan is because you've lost time and time again and you know it. Maybe one of these particular three tends to get you more than another, but he gets you all the time. He beats you day after day, and you know how often you've fallen to his sword. The point of this text cannot be, see how Jesus did it? Now go do it. No. The point of this text is look at what Jesus did for you. You weren't even on his side. You weren't even in his army. You were in the devil's army. You were on his side. And no one was on Jesus' side. But he went and he fought the devil anyway, and instead of making us his slaves, he freed us. And he said, you get to be in my family now. You're not under the impression of this evil tyrant. You're in my house. You are my children. You are on my team. His victory has become ours. This was just the first one. When he went and he executed a decisive victory over Satan. Satan, he comes and he says, you are so poor. You have nothing right now. This is how God treats you. Page back, one page in your Bible. The very verse at the end of Matthew chapter 3, right before this section, is the baptism of Jesus and the Father saying, this is my son whom I love. And then we go right here. Oh, so you're the son of God, huh? This is how, this is how God treats his son. Poor and starving. And Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone. You think if I had bread right now, that's why I'd be alive? You think if I had been eating every day for the last 40 days, that's why my body would be here? No, I'm alive because the Father sustains me. My human flesh is alive because only human flesh sustained by the word of God is alive. If God doesn't want me alive, I won't be alive. You're not alive because you got to the doctor just in time so that they could fix what was wrong and you could survive. You're not alive because you've had good meals for the last couple decades. You're not alive because you've managed to keep a roof over your head. You're alive because God has sustained your life. Has he used those things? Sure, but it's God who has sustained you every moment of every day. Jesus says, it is written. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Satan puts Jesus up on the top of the temple and says, jump, listen to what God says. You care what God says? 
Listen to what God says. He will command his angels concerning you. Jesus says, you're missing a part. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And if I were to rip this one portion out of context as you're doing, I would be ignoring another clear portion of God's word. It is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then Satan tries his last trick on Jesus and he says, well, I'll make everything easier for you. I'll give you peace and contentment here. I'll give you everything this world has to offer, riches and wealth and glory and fame. I'll give it all to you. And Jesus says, you're missing the first commandment. You shall have no other gods. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus used nothing but the word of God, nothing but the sword of the spirit, and he defeated the devil. As he did every moment of his life, until he went to the cross and he fulfilled Genesis 3.15 where he crushed the serpent's head. Satan struck his heel. Satan thought that he had won. Satan thought that he had finally defeated God's son. He had him killed. But it was the death of the innocent God-man where he poured out his innocent blood for the sins of the whole world, yours and mine, where the head of the serpent, Satan himself, was crushed once and for all. And Jesus' victory is now your victory. He has won. You are free from Satan's tyranny. You know, in the Old Testament, it calls the Lord, the Lord Sabaoth, not Sabbath, rest, a different word. The Lord Sabaoth, it means armies, hosts, the Lord of hosts. And that's not just talking about angels. You are now in God's army. You now put on the armor of God and hold in your hand the sword of the Spirit. But remember I said this can't be about you going and fighting. It it can't be about you doing the battle. Well, it can't be until you're completely reliant on the victory of Christ. Once you are completely reliant on the victory of Christ, Jesus says the fact that the head was attacked, the head of the body Me? Means you're going to be attacked while you're in this sinful flesh too. And when we fight, we fight just like our Savior. We use nothing but the Word of God. And the Word of God is that message which tells us what God has done for sinners like us. The Word of God is that message which, from start to finish, over the course of 1,500 years, revealed God's plan to save fallen mankind through the God-man Jesus and showed how his victory becomes ours. We never rely on our own strength. We never rely on who we are or what we can accomplish. We, as soldiers of the King, soldiers of the Lord of hosts, use the weapon he has placed into our hands, the word of God and the word of God alone. When Jesus comes, or when Satan comes to us, with that temptation to succumb to poverty and shake our fists at our Father, we do the same thing Jesus did. We say, look, I may be poor, but I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. I am baptized into Christ. He has preserved me every day to this point. Every single day. The fact that I'm alive proves it. I've always had enough. 
I've always had enough. And as long as my father wants me alive here before he brings me into glory where I will never again have to do battle with you, you liar, I have everything I need. And my God will continue to preserve me as long as he wants me alive. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And when he comes to us and says, you know what? You should just rely a little bit on yourself. Because in the book of Romans, God says, if you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. So all you got to do to be a real Christian is say, I believe that I'm a sinner and that Jesus is my Savior. And now, see, you did exactly what you were supposed to do. Now you're a real Christian. Ah, how he rips that out of context. How Satan wants you to rely on yourself just a little bit so that you're not completely reliant on Jesus. He comes at you with portions of God's word and he says, just participate a little bit. See, God actually needs you to participate a little bit because he wasn't quite strong enough to win the battle all on his own. He needs your help too. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. God says, don't put me to the test. And you know what's the ultimate test of God? Saying, I think you need my help. I'm going to participate just a little bit. I'm going to make sure that there's just a little bit that I can do just to make sure You want to stand before God on Judgment Day and say, I didn't believe you could actually do it all, so I I made sure to finish it off for you. Talk about putting the Lord your God to the test. When Satan comes and he says, I have everything you need, we say lies. You have nothing that I need. I don't need your wealth. I don't need your success. I don't need your power on earth for a couple years. I don't need any of it. I have my God. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. God is the one who provides everything good that I ever have had or ever will have. He's my only source of comfort and will continue to be my only source of comfort. Get away from me, you liar. As we do battle, we rely on the same word of God that Jesus has relied on when he did battle with Satan. His victory is your victory. And as followers of Jesus, wielding the sword of the Spirit, you will never lose to Satan again. Cling to the words and promises of God and cling to them alone. Jesus has won. The victory is yours. Amen.